Time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, cause it's on now. The Tom Sumner program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state, and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You, too, can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes regulars uh, on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome. Oops. Here. There we go. Let's try that again. Paul, welcome. Good morning. <laughs> Forgot to turn up the button there. There um, we go. On the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter is joining our roundtable. Hi, Henry. Good morning, Tom. And last but and not Paul. least, joining us morning, Henry. Uh, for our roundtable this week, political operative Bobby Clayton Walton. Hi, Bobby. Hi, guys. Good Hi, Bobby. Hi, Bobby. Good <laughs> to hear you. Yeah. Well, fashioned after Flint-based comedian Mark Pano's uh, Facebook feature, Finish the Joke, we open Armchair Politics every week with Finish the Quote. And uh, here's the quote. How would you finish this quote? About all I can say for the United States Senate is that it opens with a prayer and closes with what? Hey, bang. With a curse. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's, here's, the original, uh, here's the original quote. About all I can say for the United States Senate is that it opens with a prayer and closes with an investigation. That was from Will Rogers. Uh, yeah, that would have been something that Will Rogers would have been known for. That's true. 
taste. Yeah, but, but it means things haven't changed a lot, have they? <laughs> well, they haven't. Well, you know, it always surprises me. Every once in a while, I'll pop one of those in, finish the quotes, and it'll be from Plato or Aristotle, and it sounds like it was, you know, written by yeah. Art Buckwald. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's... Well, what did they say? The more we change, the more we stay the same? I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but here's the uh, quote of the week. So send it in and then see, and then vote, and let's see what happens. You're now assured, though, that your very precious and important vote has been counted. Oh, President Trump. Yep, that was uh, President Donald Trump suggested to his supporters Friday night that if Mm -hmm. they vote by mail, they should also attempt to vote in person as a way to check that their vote is counted, which risks causing chaos at the polls and undermining confidence in the election in a North Carolina tele-rally Friday night, which was later posted on Facebook, Trump spent the uh, first few minutes of the call explaining in detail how he wanted his voters to vote. If they vote by mail, they should go to their polling place anyway to see whether or not their mail-in vote had been counted uh, or tabulated. Trump said, noting that if it's been counted, they won't be able to vote. It's a federal crime to vote twice in the same election. It's also a felony in almost every state, including North Carolina. Um, Do you think uh, Trump supporters, and really others for that matter, will actually try to do this? No, no. Some probably will. Yes, some will. I don't even think Democrats will try that. Oh, Uh, sure. So... <laughs> so uh, that's that's crazy, uh, you know. Um, and I, I think that that whole conversation by Trump was muddled. He he didn't say it the way he wanted to. He muddled all the way through it. Well, I'm, yeah, a, I'm, I'm a little, I, I'm a little well, troubled and that's actually. That's what made it confusing. I, I'm I a little think he's been muddling a lot lately, hasn't he? I'm gonna say even if a few do it, I mean, it's still gonna cause some confusion and maybe some chaos at some polls. And with all the doubts going on around this election, that's the, maybe the last thing we need. But, yeah, I don't think there'll be a lot of people doing that. But no. There may be, there may be a handful. But, you know, really, the, the system allows you to go online and check to see that your ballot's been received. So it's that's really right. just a ridiculous recommendation. I mean, the only yeah. people that would do it would be those who don't know any better. Yeah, yeah and, and and I I like your explanation there. It, it was something that could have been said better and greater taste and with more clarity. Yeah, I, you most know, I'm a little troubled. Says, most of what Donald Trump says could be better taste and more clarity. <laughs> I, I um I'm a little troubled by the fact that I I actually found myself sort of understanding the logic. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the the idea being that you put something in the mail and you're not sure that it gets there, so you go to the poll. If it got there, they won't let you vote, so you know your vote got in and got counted. I I mean yeah. I I understand the logic of it, but uh, I, but as Bob as Bobby says, you can go online. I mean I did that for the August primary just to double check and make sure my my ballot was counted. It's very yeah, easy I to do it too. online. Yeah, I did but too. It, it was- as as you initially interpreted that, you can see how really dangerous uh, that kind of statement would be. Uh, you undermine the the American uh, political voting system, which is 
dear to everybody, and only a it few is. people are going to try yeah, that, to. I think you're right here. That, that's we, the real we risk. Still we still have, have to do it. This is the faith that we must have in our system, lest it will collapse right before yeah. eyes. Well, we what's, have, what's made it so complicated is both the president um, uh, rallying against the accuracy of mail-in voting and then at the same time headlines about changes at the post office that could cause delays. And that, yes. you know, that has shaken a lot of people. And I have to admit, even even though I have uh, great faith in the uh, in the Postal Service and, and in our uh, voting system, but Sandy and I have decided we're going to fill out our absentee ballots, but we're going to deliver them to the clerk. Yeah, I'll probably mail mine, but I'll double check to make sure it was received because I yeah, and if you if you do it early enough, I mean, I think that the date that I that I've been using is I've heard that the twentieth or the twenty seventh of October. Uh, you know, if you do it a week or two early, you're 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 probably going to be okay. But again, I'm going to double check too. However, however, I do whether I mail it or drop it off with some Dropbox or take it to a clerk. I found that because um, there are three of us in this house that vote, and I found two ballots had been received, and the other not only hadn't been received, but there was no record that he was registered. So I got on the phone after I tried it several times and called the clerk, and I said, hey, there's a problem here. So she checked it and said, oh, somebody actually entered the wrong um, birth date. And I said, well, <laughs> please correct that. And they did. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's, here's another quote uh, before we get to the first break. My greatest concern for our nation is the lack of civility that we have. How can you be the world's greatest country if you can't get along with yourself? I've heard that quote. Or something similar to it, civility. It, was it was it mayor uh, of Michigan? Former Melania Trump. It was Melania Trump. It was for, oh, okay. Former Michigan Governor Rick Snyder. Uh-huh. That's oh, right. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I knew I had had something to do with Michigan. A Republican I, announced in yeah. an op-ed for USA Today on Thursday he is supporting Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden in the upcoming elections. He uh, notes that he is still a Republican who has supported other Republican presidential candidates and will continue to support other Republicans. And that quote actually wasn't from this week. It was uh, requoted from a speech he gave at the uh, Mackinac Conference in 2018 at the end of his term as governor. Uh, but does his uh, endorsement of uh, Joe Biden and, and this announcement that he's voting for Joe Biden um, really carry any weight with anybody? Yes, it does. With Democrats. A little bit. A little bit. It, 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 it does. And because uh, many black Democrats would look back and say, ha, see, I told you this, that he, he's safer on the Democrat side than he is on the Republican side, so he's joined us because of all the well, things yeah. that he did with the water. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of argument that way. And, you know, even when, when Snyder was governor, he had as much friction with Republicans in the legislature yeah. as he had with Democrats sometimes. So there was always that friction there anyhow. But, but again, I think he may bring across a, a few moderate Republicans uh, to the Biden side, but I don't see it as a big factor, all things considered. I don't either. But, you know, I looked at it in, in the bigger picture, and I talked to a good friend of mine who was another political crazy person, 
And um, there seems to be uh, a, this is almost like foretelling of a reorganizing of the Republican Party um, because there are so many of the more moderate, more um, involved in, I want to say intelligent, but I hate to insult anybody, uh, Republicans who are deciding that we're going in the wrong direction and it's serious. You know, there are times I wonder whether we're going to have a Republican Party and a Trump Party uh, in addition to the Democratic Party. I I can see that as a possibility because the the Republican Party, as traditionally known, has become so much the Trump Party and a number of Republicans pulling away, would they form some other, whatever label they might use, some other group? Yeah. Well, we did talk about uh, realignment last time we were on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That whole Lincoln project is suggesting some of that. Yep. And there have been a number of Republicans that have have come out and, and said basically this same thing. Now, in all fairness, uh, to Mitch McConnell, um, most of the Republicans that have come out uh, for Biden have been moderates. Yeah, and many of them not yes. not current office holders. Yes. That's also true. <clears throat> yeah. Yes, and and you got to remember that uh, the Democrats haven't won yet. You got to wait until <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the, that's, that's right. The last dog crossed the line. <laughs> yeah, I can't I think. think. <laughs> Maybe there will be a realignment of the moderates from both parties. <laughs> that will That's also possible, too, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Republican Party, is, this is not the first time the Republican Party has been divided. The Democrats have been divided as well, and they'll coalesce after a while to come back together based on its platform. Yeah. What makes well, a you know, Republican, even though Republican I'm a Democrat a Democrat? Yeah, even though I'm a Democrat, I have studied a little bit about the Republican Party. And um, you were born, what, John Charles Fremont was your first presidential candidate, former governor of California. The right. Republican Party started out um, very... 18... Yeah, but very liberal, liberal in the sense that they fought for individual rights, they fought for uh, freedom of slaves. I mean, there was a clear ethic... Uh, value yeah. and morality in the Republican Party, and I hate to tell you, Henry. Today, you guys don't look too good. Neither party looks good to me. I'm concerned about the whole country. About just just the discussing these issues, we are probably part of the problem by adding to the frustration that people have about this country. We're on one side or the other, and you know, and that's not a really good thing. Um, <clears throat> I think that if we got quiet for a while and let things settle a little bit, we might. Yeah, do Henry, better. you're right. There, there was a time when there were liberal Republican and conservative Democrats, and there was an overlap between the parties. That has not been true for for some for several decades at least, and becoming yeah. less true all the time. Well, the Republicans yep. were originally called the Republican Progressive Party. Sure. Well, yeah, they, they, they were called the Radical Republicans by the late 1860s, who really wanted to end slavery and avoid Jim Crow and all of that for at least a short time. 
Well, we're going to take a short break here, and we're going to come back and talk about some things closer to home when we return. If you're listening to us, uh, this is Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. If you're listening to us on 92.1 FM, our voices radio, we're going to let them squeeze in a few words. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. the 60s, the marches, the beans, the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music. Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artist who made them famous. You're thrilled to Society's Child by Janicean, Pleasant Ballet Sunday by the Monkees, What Have They Done to the Rain by the Searchers, In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley, Silent Night, 7 O'Clock News by Simon and Garfunkel. Who can ever forget this all-time classic? Yes, it's Barry Maguire's immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War. All for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring vanilla fudge, blue chair, frigid pink, Moby Grape, the electric prunes, Jeff's airplane, Lotharian hand people, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, 
This is a collector's dream. Gold and protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well, it's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something will tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send $3.95 and check your money order, plus your name and address, to Apple House Box 70K, South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's $3.95 and check your money to Apple House Box 70 Do Tom Sumner. Program.com The Tom Summer Program.com This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Armchair Politics uh, continues now on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Bobby Clayton Walton. The current and past mayors of Flint each say the other has a problem telling the truth about street sweeping in the city. The city announced last month that it had gone over 61% of Flint streets with sweepers that had been brought into residential areas for the first time in at least seven years and said every street in the city is expected to be swept by the end of this month. Current Mayor Sheldon Neely was quoted in the news release, which former Mayor Karen Weaver called a blatant lie in an interview with MLive the Flint Journal. Uh, she said, we always had the street sweepers out, and not just during the week. We had them out on the weekends because we were doing cleanups all the time. The street sweepers were always out, and I remember sending them to certain places. I just didn't understand that story. Their statement was a lie, a flat-out, bold-faced lie, she said. The city's news release on sweeping efforts said some street surfaces are so dirty that a tanker truck had to be used to spray down the road surfaces to break up the caked-on dirt before the street sweepers come through. The question is, why does Mayor Neely's administration, or any administration for that matter, have to qualify information releases with phrases like, for the first time in at least seven years? Maybe if they feel the campaign's not quite over. <laughs> when I heard that, my, my reaction was, is there, is there nothing in Flint we don't argue about? <laughs> uh, uh, but well, I, I wish... Go ahead. I, I was just going to say that it's become the it's become the earmark of our decade. I think is blaming other people and saying I'm better than you are and I'm doing a better job than you did. And I mean, it's just really nauseating. But yeah. you know, it, it yeah. just seemed to me that here we have an administration that's doing something positive. That's enough. Do you have yeah. to slam? a previous administration or administrations in the process. Why not just toot your own horn? Yeah, and you know, I, I think uh, you should set a tone of positive energy. We've been so immersed in negativity for so long. Everybody has it. We have it at the local level, the state level, and the national level. And we're all negative because we are all poisoned by that. We need to have something more positive. Like I say, if you're doing something well, do it well and shut up. There's a time to be quiet. And as I say, we're talking yeah. about street sweeping. This is not, it's not a, 
<laughs> not a moonshot we're talking about. This is pretty routine. Kind it of seems stuff. to me that should be an accepted. That's a normal thing to do. Right. <laughs> street and why do you have to brag about it like you just launched a rocket to the moon or something? Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that was kind of that was kind of my point. I mean, it's nice, you know. Street sweepers are out there, and you know, I, I understand administrations wanting to be noticed doing good things. But this idea that you always have to say, you know, I'm doing this and they didn't do it. You know, but the administration. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, Henry. But the administration that's there now, Mayor Haley, he has the support of so many people around the state and government and Lansing. He doesn't need to slam anybody because he's got the power he knows how to do it he's been there he's had these experiences and i think that that speaks for itself and people love that and they will follow it but if they're following confusion you're embroiled in it all the time and you can't get rid of it we need to show the people in flint that we're a better city than we were 20 years ago you know, as I said, it's, it's almost like the campaign is never quite over. I mean, between Weaver and Neely, it's it's, it's in some ways, you to, you, in this and some other comments that have happened in the last couple of weeks, you get the feeling that that uh, that bitter campaign is still going on to some degree. But in this well, one, it, it, how long before, you know, press releases from, from Mayor Neely are saying, you know, we're, we're, We've got street sweepers out. They're cleaning the streets. It's the first time it's been done in forever. It's the best sw- street sweeping that's ever been done in the city of Flint <laughs> in the history of sweeping streets. I, you know, it, it just seems just such a silly place to go. Yeah, the biggest street sweeper ever. <laughs> it's a game of marbles. Maybe, maybe he's afraid that uh, our former mayor is going to come and challenge him in the next election, and he's getting geared up. I don't know. Maybe there's maybe that's when it works. Yeah. Well, but not if you're be. doing things good. Well, nobody's going to come after you. You're there for life if well, you do things well. Yeah, only if the public notices that you're doing things well. So that's what I, I mean. Know. Yeah, but yeah. I just think you know, at some point, you have to let the work stand for itself. Yeah. I agree. That's why I'm not in office. <laughs> <laughs> well, Terrence Green was sworn in Thursday uh, outside Flint City Hall. His family, friends, as well as officers with the department and county law enforcement officials watched. Um, let's see. Boy, that, jumped over. that made a weird jump here in the, the copy I have. Um his first initiative uh, with the Flint Police Department is to evaluate and gauge the morale of the current officers and employees here, to, uh, Green said, which includes speaking to sergeants and supervisors and what the atmosphere is with the officers and using those findings to make any necessary changes. Decreasing crime will be a process, Green said, with the uh, first step of filling 14 open positions among the ranks. How much does it matter who the chief of police is in Flint or any other city? Well, in, in Flint, it probably matters because we've had so many negative incidents. Where Not that the person you choose, and we always do this by color, but 
because the police union was involved so deeply in it and passed that there was some skepticism that they were not representing uh, balance throughout the population of the police department. And that created something uh, that, that has lasted for years. But now I don't think it really matters who the person is. By race, if you can demonstrate that you can do the things that the people want you to do, fairly the results, and justly. The results matter. Yes. What matters yes. is results. Can you, can you lower the crime rate and, and avoid incidents like you've got in Kenosha or Portland or other places as well? And so far, fingers crossed, Flynn has been able to do that, although the crime rate is something else again. Well, I'm, I'm looking at it as, a, as an administrative system. Military and police and other kinds of um, corps are, are hierarchical, and you can't have a hierarchy without a leader. So I think a police chief is necessary for that purpose. Um, they're not a team where they have a flat organization with shared responsibility. So somebody's got to be responsible for filling out the paperwork and making sure the jobs get done. And they are they are also the public face of the police department. I mean, they're the ones who are going to talk to the press when, when there's a problem or something of that nature. So they're important in that regard as well. Following what Jan said, that department cannot be run by a committee. You have to have yeah. somebody who accepts responsibility. Right. Yeah. Now, if we could just get them to accept responsibility, that would be great. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Genesee County Election Commission is recommending an appeal of a decision that would allow a candidate who failed to check a box to appear on the November ballot. The judge's decision allows her to be on the ballot, and any court decision on any appeal likely would happen after the November election. Sherry Moore submitted an affidavit of identity to Atlas Township around July 20th to pursue election as a uh, candidate for councilperson for the village of Goodrich, a town with a population of 1860. For the November election, according to a lawsuit she filed with the Genesee County Circuit Court, when Moore filled out her affidavit of identity, she failed to check a box stating she is a U.S. citizen, according to Genesee <laughs> County Clerk John Gleason. She did not check the box, I am a U.S. citizen, which is a fatal flaw, Gleason said. According to the Michigan Bureau of Elections, an omission of that information means the candidate should not be certified to the ballot. Um, since Moore didn't check the box, the election committee didn't accept her affidavit, Gleason said. On Friday, September 4th, the Genesee County Election Committee approved a motion to appeal the decision. Um, Genesee Circuit Court Judge Mark uh, Lachana had made just two days earlier, which allows Moore's name to appear on the November ballot. Are judges becoming too lenient on the required filing forms to run for elected office? Well, you know, it seems like almost every election, there, there's, there's, in fact, it's almost always the same issue of somebody failing to check the box on whether they're a citizen. I've not seen the form. Is the form confusing in some way? But it seems like almost every, every time there's an election, there's some candidate out there who's in, that, in the same position where they fail to check the appropriate box, and that goes to court, and then often, more often than not, the, the judges give it the okay. But I'm wondering, is this, why is this a pattern? I guess that's, that's my question. I don't know. You know, when I ran when I ran for public office like that, I would always take my my uh, application downtown and go over it with a clerk, and say, um, 
did I get this right? Or did I get that right? Is that okay? And once they accept it like that, I've never had a problem. And That's pretty soon I knew what, that, uh, pretty soon I knew how to read the, I knew how to read the paperwork. And, uh, and I knew that it was critical that I filled all these out because there were times when they, they said, oh, you, for, you need to fill this out. Your precinct is this or that, or your ward. If you don't have a ward, you've got a precinct or something like that. That gets kind of fussy in there, if you, if you recall. And sometimes you can uh, log yourself into the wrong ward. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder is is the for, is the form somehow confusing so it's easy to miss those kind of things? I, I I can't say I've looked at it recently. I I helped some other candidates in the past, but I haven't looked at the at a current form for a little while. So I is there something simply confusing about the way the form is laid out or uh, I, again, I, think, I don't know the I answer. think it I think if I remember it's rather small. The yes, little box. It is it is small. Yeah. The thing that occurs to me is, did these candidates who had this problem wait until the last minute to file? If they filed in plenty of time, it seems like the clerk's office could have notified them that they failed that and that they could correct it. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I think most of what you said is right. The data is kind of small, and you could miss one of them. And secondly, you don't want to wait till 4 o'clock on the day before the closing date. <laughs> And True. submit it and say, oh, I just got it on the wire. Yeah, a lot of people do that. I would say, given that they're going to be running for an office where there's probably a lot of things to read and a lot of papers to file and to fill out and forms to be completed, that they better be better at reading every single line. But I don't think that we should continually change the process. The process is the process. It's been going on for years, and many people have gone through it, so it's perfected. We, if we're going to run for public office, we need to know how to read the form. Now, maybe they could make the box a little bigger. <clears throat> yes, they could do that, too. But the question but was, say, is, are the courts it, it seems being strange, every, every election, there's some candidate in that same situation that have, yes. you know, failed to check, particularly the citizenship box, but yeah, occasionally other details. There Wasn't there a judicial candidate this last time around who listed uh, his office address instead of his home address, and somehow that was a problem, although I think he got on the ballot yeah. in the end. So there's yeah. those kind of things do pop up. But again, yes, Henry, you know, Henry described, you know, the the perfect way of of doing due diligence. You go in, you fill out the form, and then you put it in front of somebody who knows the form and say, "Did I do this right?" And you give mm -hmm. yourself the time to do that. And and my question was, if if we have a lot of candidates who don't take that kind of effort and and uh, miss things on forms. Uh, our our courts let them off too easy. You know, the, uh, I'm not saying that we should be governed by forms, but forms seem like the least of our problems. Of course, you know that Tom that may explain why we get some very badly written laws sometimes too. That <laughs> some some lawmakers say, I did I didn't know I voted for that because <laughs> I didn't read the law yeah. before I voted for yeah, it. Yeah, how did that get yeah, in I'm there? Sure that yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think one of the question the question you asked Tom is what kind of an argument did the uh, the filer make to the judge that convinced the judge that it was the right thing to do? Because you know, unless you're in the courtroom and you hear the argument, you don't really know. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. 
Well, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer on Thursday extended Michigan's state of emergency related to the coronavirus pandemic through October 1st. The state of emergency, which was set to expire at the end of the day Friday, should not be confused with Whitmer's stay-at-home order, which she lifted June 1st. A state of emergency does not by itself place any restrictions on Michigan residents, but it authorizes the governor to issue orders placing such restrictions, such as ones requiring mask wearing or limiting restaurant capacity to 50%. Would she be able to convince people to wear masks, socially distance, and and, uh, businesses to decrease capacity or stay closed without a state of emergency? Probably. I think I think she probably could, but there's because the people who believe it right now are wearing masks and the people who yeah. don't believe it are not. And I yeah. don't think what she does is going yeah. to make any difference at all. People just have to either be better educated or better behaved or, or less knee jerk political. I don't know. But I do think the state of emergency also allows for some of the funds that have come down from the federal government to be spent for the so-called CARES or the State of Emergency programs. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. But as I say, even with State of Emergency, you see you know, spor- sporadic. I mean, you go to, go to stores, and most people are wearing masks sometimes, but it depends when you go and which store you go to. It's hardly universal. But yes. when I go to places like Walmart or Menards and Coyo or Vicky's, Everybody wears masks. Don't even go in the store without it. And when I see that, I go back to the car and pick up my mask. I never go in mm-hmm. uh, that way. I'm following the governor's guidelines and what makes sense. And the people who know me, and the people who know me in Clio, they expect me to do that. I've made that yeah. walk a lot of times, Henry, where I got halfway to the store and I had to turn around and go back to my car. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will say there was an article that was posted that I picked up and reposted that was an NPR report on the actual physical effects of the virus in your body. And it explained, what I was looking for was if you don't have a fever, if you're asymptomatic, is the fever part of that so that if you don't have a fever, that's part of the asymptom. In other words, taking temperatures doesn't necessarily mean that you're infected with the virus. So... What the article pointed out were the things that happen inside your body when you're not even knowing they're happening, so you don't have symptoms, but the damage is still being done. And when the article described the damages that can be done to your heart, to your lungs, to your liver, to your spleen, to your toes, to your fingernails, I said, if that doesn't convince people to wear a mask, I don't know what would. Yeah, no, I, I saw your posting, Bobby. Yeah. yeah, it was a good article. Well, Michigan gyms and pools are allowed to reopen starting today, and high school sports can take place under the latest move from Governor Gretchen Whitmer and the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Gyms in southern Michigan have been closed since March. Gym owners have questioned that decision and said it put them in a difficult financial position. Some opened in defiance of the governor's orders under Executive Order 175 and 176. They can reopen at 25% capacity with strict safety protocols, including that attendees must maintain six feet of physical distance and wear masks even while working out. Bowling alleys, roller rinks, and ice rinks 
can reopen solely for the purpose of hosting organized sporting events. The governor also announced organized sports could resume statewide under new guidance issued by the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Will people adhere to these guidelines? And if they don't, will that lead to a rise in uh, COVID cases? Uh, I'm afraid they won't. Yeah, I think that most people will do that. I I think they will. They'll continue to fight the governor and recall petitions and all of that stuff, but they, they will probably do that in the interest of safety to other people who would get mad at him. You don't want the people to get mad at you. You can have the governor mad at you. But people can get ugly. <laughs> so can the governor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I've been reading. I, <laughs> I would say that the, what I've read, and the people that are doing this more strenuous, like pumping iron and things like that, uh, they probably won't want to wear a mask. Probably, you know, it would interfere with their their oxygenation, so that they can get the oxygen to the blood. But when you're not in a well ventilated facility, I think that makes all the difference. And yeah. and aerosols in the air can just hang around for quite a long time. So it could be very dangerous, depending on the facility. Well, no, and I, I, I think you're right, Bobby. I have concerns about extended mask wearing. I, I I don't like to be in a situation where I have to wear the mask for longer than, you know, a, a trip to the store or, um, you know, some appointment, something that is an hour or two at most. And yeah. I, it's um, and, and I have the same concern about people that are working out in gyms that the mask would be, uh, you know, counter... Uh, productive in in their workout but at the same time as they're working out they breathe harder they're blowing more potential (laughs) you know uh (laughs) germs farther you know and and six feet might not be enough and and so it's really kind of a catch-22 yeah probably wouldn't be enough especially if they don't have really good ventilation (laughs) excuse me how does this uh, affect the mask? When you when you dive into the pool, you don't have your mask on, but yet you're transferring uh, body fluids to water. Uh, how how does that. how does that yeah. how does that resonate to good safety? I hadn't even uh, right. thought about that. Um, yeah, I hadn't either. I'm, I'm struck by the fact that I mean, when frequently when we've gone to, to, for example, Myers, especially in the late afternoon, people will walk in wearing the mask, sort of. But then by the time they're down of two aisles, the mask is on their chin, or you know, it's around their neck. The mask is there, but it's often not on their face. So I'm, I think people get very ca- all too casual about that. Uh, they technically have the mask around; <coughs> it may not be doing much good. But as I was saying, Bobby, and I want to clarify here, I said people can get ugly. You said the governor yeah. can get also get ugly. But the <laughs> governor has to be, she has to accept responsibility for action. But a person, but a person that gets mad at you, he doesn't have to accept any responsibility at that moment. You could be killed or hurt. Oh, well, you could be. Yeah, that's really a danger of our time right now 
with all of yeah. the guns around and everybody strapping them on their shoulders <laughs> or their backs or wherever they strap them. Uh, you don't and, know when you see somebody yeah. whether they're a good guy or a bad guy. And, yeah, it it's, it really can be very ugly. Well, we need I to... Don't know that, I don't know that the governor is carrying. I don't know. I haven't seen that. I, I don't think she is. No, but I think those uh, state troopers that follow her around probably are. Um, yeah, they probably are. The uh, one thing that, that um, you know, just about the time that, that I get... Uh, especially frustrated with the governor. I see one of those reports on national uh, uh, news where they're showing the spikes in the states that are, you know, wrestling with uh, increases in COVID-19. And whenever Michigan isn't included, um, I I always think that that gives her just a little bit more credibility. We have to take a short break here, but we'll come back with more Armchair Politics. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all-night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. 
Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange, it's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman steady sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you, could you be happy if your name was This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues now on the Tom Sumner program. Um, Michigan will start to track and publicly release the names of specific schools that are the source of coronavirus outbreaks, the state chief's uh, medical executive announced Wednesday. Uh, I think that should be the state's chief medical executive announced Wednesday. The announcement from Dr. Joan A. Caldoun comes as schools reopen across the state and amid ongoing calls for additional transparency about critical medical information from parents, teachers, and news media. Caldoun said the state will start posting the information online in the next two weeks. Last week, local health departments identified 93 new outbreaks of COVID-19, the disease caused by the coronavirus. As of Sunday, there were eight new or ongoing outbreaks connected with K-12 through schools across the state. Additional six outbreaks at colleges and universities are new or ongoing, according to the state. In August, state lawmakers and the governor agreed on a legislative package that gave school districts the flexibility to to decide how to safely educate students this year. Districts are allowed to decide whether they want to offer face-to-face classes, virtual courses, or a combination as long as the plans they implement were crafted with input of local health officials. Is there any reason why school outbreaks shouldn't be publicly released? I can't think of one. Yeah, no, I think it's it's critical for, for parents, for kids, and just for the public in general. Yeah, but schools in general don't release information like that because it's medical, had to do with the medical records, and that's HIPAA and all of those that they have to comply well, yeah, with. But you are, exactly, names of individuals. you are exactly right that that information should be released. The public has a right to know that. But you've got to well, wrestle it away from the school district. Not only the public, but the parents of children who uh, may be either going to that school or considering to go, you know, mix half day. I think they need to know whether this is a problem. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's it's critical for so many people, and and like I say, I, I mean, you you don't release the names of the individuals who are involved, but schools yeah. should be able to say we have ten cases and things of that nature, and and some of them are doing it. Colleges are doing it to some degree, but it's right. going to be very tough. It's going to be very tough. But the governor, but the governor's argument is that all of this is important to all of the people in the state, and there's nobody exempt from it. Everybody should follow the law or the uh, or the emergency um, actions that the governor has called for, and you need to you need to you need to follow the law. I think yeah. Part of that picture is the is the opening of the information. The other part is are they testing all of the children and the staff and the teachers uh, also because they know that this has become a problem, or is it sort of a stomping out the fires as they arise kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, the public should know. Is there is there really universal testing of all students and all staff, or is it just sporadic when there's something pops up? That's true. Yeah, yeah, and I think. Well, I think and how does it pop up without testing? Well, they well, have to show you get sick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. And that's where HIPAA comes in, <clears throat> and. They'll have to figure out a way to resolve those kind of problems before we can open it up and say, yes, start doing it. We have to agree that it's the right thing to do. Parents have to agree, and politicians and other people, institutions have to agree that that's the thing to do. Well, parents and kids need that information. And before you decide if you're going to go back to school, you'd like to know... Is there a big outbreak there? Is there nothing going on there? I mean, and it ought to be accurate, ideally. Yeah, and I think it depends upon it depends upon what you're talking about, Henry. On following what the law says, because you can do there forever, and in the meantime, people are dying. So there's got to be a procedure that is generally accepted as keeping everybody safe. Yeah, that's what I I, I was hoping. That's what I said. <clears throat> oh. Yeah, we, well, have you, we have to agree. We have to agree. You generalize into law and rules and things, and and that's true for some things, but not for everything. Okay, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when we were all in the same room, it was much easier to argue because we could read each other's body language. That's true. It was just so much better. Uh, I had to way. give up sometimes, just right away. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I don't argue anything unless I think I'm right. (laughs) And that's always. Yes, always. The Michigan Secretary of State and Detroit City Clerk will work together to administer the general election in the Motor City this fall. The new effort will provide Detroit a former state elections guru and additional 14 satellite voting locations, 30 new secure drop boxes, thousands of additional poll workers, and more training for those who count ballots or otherwise assist on Election Day, according to an announcement from Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson and Detroit City Clerk Janice Winfrey. The announced partnership comes after an outcry from local residents and election officials frustrated with issues in the August 4th primary. From polling location changes at the last minute to widespread problems with the absentee vote count, issues in Detroit threatened voter confidence in the clerk's ability to successfully run an election in Michigan's largest city with the presidency possibly at stake. Could missteps in the November election in Detroit play a significant role in clouding the outcome of the presidential election? 
Oh, certainly. I think it did in the last one. Yeah, I think it clearly did in 2016. Yeah, when you get a, when somebody wins a state by, by 10,704 votes, it doesn't take much to to raise all kind of doubts and questions. And I just and, and given the, the the atmosphere now in 2020, I think that in, unless there's a clear huge landslide, we're yeah. going to have rumors and charges and <laughs> counter charges about, you know fraud and things of that yeah. nature. So, I mean, it really ought to go almost beyond the usual bounds to make sure that there's trust in the election, because it's going to be a very tumultuous time, I think. I think and so Paul, you've got to make sure that on your account, you don't do anything that's perceived as illegal in the voting booth, yeah. because they'll yeah. spot you, and you will be <laughs> become the prime example of a person who cheats. Well, and therefore... Remember when we had the recount after 2016? It was supposed to be a recount of the whole state. And, That's um, right. Yes. I participated in that one day of it, and there were so many of the uh, precinct ballots that could not even be counted because there was a discrepancy in one way or another. And so the, the state law, there's so many things that you have to look at before you can even open the container and pull the ballots out and start counting them. And Detroit had a a massive number of those that could not be counted. So that was an issue. Yes. I worked on that also. I w in Genesee County, I worked on the recount for yeah, the same election. Yeah, at the other end of the room. I don't remember seeing him. Or did I? Well, yes, I, I did yeah, see but you, you, weren't, you weren't as mean and, was, and noticeable. <laughs> <laughs> I was in disguise. <laughs> I was wearing my mustache that day. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson warned voters of the potential for an election week rather than an election day in this year's presidential vote. The Democratic official spoke Sunday about the 2020 election process on NBC's Meet the Press with host Chuck Todd. She was featured in a panel discussion alongside Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose and Karen Brinson-Bell, Executive Director of the North Carolina State Board of Elections. Benson outlined the state's two-pronged approach to the 2020 election, making sure the system works and educating voters on its accuracy and effectiveness. Part of this education process is warning voters that results may not be official on Tuesday night, November 3rd. She said the bottom line is that we are not going to have the full results and counting of our ballots on election night, she said. We already know that. What will election week look like? You know, you know, for for those of us who are political junkies, we like to have the news at for the eleven o'clock eleven o'clock news. But I mean, if it takes a day or two to get it right, for a campaign that's gone on for two years, I'm not sure that's that big a deal. We're we're just used to having it, the immediate results by nine o'clock or eleven o'clock at night. But I mean, if it's twenty four hours later or even forty eight hours later. That's not going to be the end of the world, but it will take some adjustment, I think. I agree I think with you, Paul. Yeah, and California takes a long time anyway. They always have. Um, I think um, that little bumper that you have about tequila, yeah. I think um, oh. there might be a real run on it that week. <laughs> <laughs> Could well be. <laughs> be a good week to try that. Uh, That's right. See if I can dance better. <laughs> but I just, but I wonder if, um, if, if Michigan is going to be uh, the new Florida. It could be. 
You never know. We were the closest state in 16, and we were, again, a little over 10,000 votes. That's two votes per precinct uh, in Michigan. Right. Right, and I know uh, so many people of the local punditry class have said that if uh, Flint had had better turnout, they could have taken care of that. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, and I suspect that that what we've been talking about is the very reason that uh, uh, Vice President, uh, former Vice President uh, Biden, is in uh, Monroe today, and the president is in the Tri Cities tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. We we are the desired dance for the ball. Yeah, I think you know, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin are going to be the three key states this time around again. As they were, they were they were part. They were supposed to be part of the blue wall in 2016 that fell apart, and they'll be yeah. key this time around. The president will also be in Freedom tomorrow. Yeah, not very far from here. Right, right. I yeah. think I think Florida is um, is also going to be a, a big place to watch. Mm-hmm. Shaping shaping yeah. up to be. We we need yeah. to put a break here, but we'll uh we'll come back with the second half of Armchair Politics with Paul Rosicki, Henry Hatter, and Bobby Clayton Walton right after uh some show ID. We'll, we'll Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 